0: Well, I really am actually speaking on marriage today. I did have this whole other message that I had prepared and gone through the whole week. So I'm going to share a little bit about that as well, just because I put so much work into it and I would hate for it to go to waste. And, uh, <laughs> But I, I feel it's kind of funny when I say I want to speak on marriage because you always feel really unqualified. There's people here whose marriage the impact and the influence of your marriage would completely eclipse who Ellie and I are and what we have to offer. And in terms of our experience, we're only so far along in the journey and there's people here who just are true champions. So it's a real privilege to be able to actually share some of the nuggets that we have from our marriage and what God has done, but also just from a scriptural perspective. But there was a, a question that I started with early in the week and kind of can tie that into what I'm speaking on today, but it was the thought, and I don't know if you've ever thought this or actually anyone has ever asked you this, is why, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Like why did it have to be, why does it have to actually be that way? Does that make sense? Has anybody ever asked that question or has anybody been asked that question? Like couldn't it, couldn't it have, couldn't have God organized it to be something else where It just made it a little bit more simple or there wasn't so uh, he didn't have to pay that ultimate price. And so my brain started to tick over and ask questions about that. And so you have to ask, why did Jesus die on the cross? What was the purpose of him dying on the cross? He died on the cross for our sin. Okay, well, what is sin then? It's consequently, it's missing the mark. It's not missing the Ellie. It's not missing the... Leslie or missing the Ruth, it's missing the mark. And I don't know what that's about, but that's what it is. But it implies it's missing the mark of God's perfection. That's what sin is. It's when we don't meet up to the perfection of God. And so when I think about that, okay, yeah, I I have messed up. I have made mistakes and I have missed myself. And so now that I think about that, it makes me think, the fact that I can make a mistake and do wrong, that implies that there's a good. So the fact that there's a wrong, and that means that there's a right. So that means that there's a truth. Okay, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so as I kept thinking about it, what I realized is God, uh, Jesus is saying that he is God when he says that. And so only he, with a perfect life that he lived, could pay the price of sin. So the essence now of that question begin to shift for me as I started to think more deeply about it is now I'm actually not asking why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I'm actually questioning the true essence of that question is the nature of God. God is perfection. God is holy. God is righteous. And so what we're seeing here as a picture is imperfection sin, missing the mark, can't be in the presence of perfection. So for me, I'm realizing it's less about um, Jesus dying on the cross. uh, It's less about the idea of that, but more about the holiness and the perfection of God. In fact, if you go to the Old Testament, it's Leviticus 16, the priest would have to repent on behalf of all of Israel. And then he would go into the tent The holy of holies, where the presence of God was. And if there was any sin in his life, he would drop dead in the presence of God. Anybody familiar with this? Because God is such a holy, righteous God. Imperfection can't be in the presence of perfection. Now to say all that is we don't now operate under a system of fear. We operate under a system of grace. Because of the grace of God, I can now, because of Jesus and what he did, be in the presence of God. That's what you felt this morning when we stood here and Gabe was leading worship with the team. You feel and sense the presence of God in his atmosphere. What is that? What is happening in this place? That's God showing up, ministering to our hearts. We can be in God's presence, which is good news. Amen. Amen. Marriage. <laughs> the funnest thing you'll ever do. Genesis two twenty four, And you can see uh, on the screen there, if you don't have a Bible, but it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, I've actually heard, this is a trivial, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, but I've actually heard the two shall become one flesh. Uh, is very intimate, obviously. And that whole scenario there reminds God of his triune nature. And so, Being intimate actually reminds God of Himself because two are becoming one flesh. The only more level deeper of intimacy is two spirits becoming one, when our spirit becomes one with Christ. So we're talking about if I was the devil, that would be an area that I would attack in a marriage because I know if I can bring separation and break intimacy, then I am tearing apart the very thing that reminds God of himself. And I believe that as men and women of God, uh, we need to be on the forefront praying, believing that God is going to take us to where we have. So when Ellie and I got married, uh, it was five days before we got married I uh, got my skateboard out and decided to go and get the honeymoon tickets. And some of you are familiar with this story. I'll just tell it really quickly. Uh, but there's going to be a part of this story a lot of you haven't heard before. I went and got the tickets. And on the way down a notorious hill that was at the front of a high school, I got death wobbles or speed wobbles on my skateboard. I fell off and I hit my elbow and I broke my arm in 18 places. And I just completely destroyed my arm. It's, I spent uh, two Weeks in hospital. It was absolutely horrific, hilarious, but it was absolutely horrific. Uh, when what happened is, uh, my mum, uh, when she came to the wedding, and this is awesome, she got me a little bell. But it wasn't for me. It was for it was for me, but it was kind of really for Ellie. And she said, "Now, Ellie, this bell's for Mark. But when Mark rings the bell, you need to come and do whatever he wants you to do because his arm's broken and he can't do anything." <laughs> To this day, that bell has gone unanswered. It's like a voice in the wilderness. I ring it and I believe and I pray. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie, Ellie, cup of tea, please. (laughs) Nothing. Silence. (laughs) Ellie. (laughs) True story, right? (laughs) I think she buried the bell. That's why we're still married, she says, because we buried the bell. (laughs) I thought it was from God. I thought it was a God word, but obviously I missed the mark. (laughs) Here's here's my first point is, is stop praying for God to fix your relationship or your marriage and start praying for God to fix you. Because when God fixes you, it changes everything around you. I think we think that we're supposed to try to fix the other person. And I want you to listen to this. It's John eight thirty two. It says, uh, and it, it'll be on the screen as well. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What shall it make you? The truth shall make you free. Truth will bring a freedom into your life. And when you have that freedom, it's amazing how your disposition changes. You know, it's been times when I get all hot and bothered and excited or fired up about something and I'm frustrated and I want something to change. And I start thinking to myself, well, do you know what? You need to change this or you need to do that. And I set myself up as the standard of what's good and what's bad because I'm thinking with a mentality affair. But what in in fact is actually happening is I am replacing God. I am saying, I'm the good one, you need to change. But what actually needs to happen is God needs to change me. And it's amazing what happens, my my heart, my spirit, what comes out of my mouth when I allow God to change me. It's funny that I start treating the people around me completely different because God changed me. Because truth is what sets us free. And so I want to be on that pursuit to say, God, can you please reveal it and, and, and make it known to me? You know, it's kind of funny, I, I, I think as well, that when I do get all fired up, I don't think the other person is going to change because that's going be, to come out of me that's going to be birthed in frustration, anger, comparison, guilt, shame. I don't think the other person in a relationship that I'm frustrated with is going to change because of my motivation of frustration. If if anything is going to change, if it's going to come from anywhere or be birthed from anything, it's the God or the Jesus in you that's going to see the other person change, correct? And what's that going to look like when it's released from who you are? It will be birthed in love, grace, compassion. It will be birthed out of a motivation that says, I don't want you to change because you annoy me. I want you to change because I love you. I want you to change because I absolutely care for you and treasure you. It's amazing the result and the fruit that you will reap in the relationship because of where it's been birthed from. But that has to, in order for that to take place, we first need to step back and say, God, change me. I'm looking at this situation right now and I'm angry, but God, change me. And then when God changes us, it's amazing what comes out of us and through us and from us. Because God is a gracious God. Amen. Ellie has never, ever changed because I said, stop it. Or You always do that or anything like that. It's always been because it's been spoken graciously, lovingly, kindly. And I'm not saying she's the only one. Usually I'm the one who needs to change. (laughs) Have you ever heard this one? I think when it comes from love and compassion, the thing that I've noticed is it won't come with conditions. Ooh, it's really quiet in here. <laughs> I can hear the, hear the air conditioning. It doesn't come with conditions. I don't say, listen, change and here's my conditions. And I, and I feel like what we try to do sometimes is we put examples on it. In fact, I've never seen Jesus put conditions on God in Scripture. I've never heard him say, listen, God, you've got two months. Have you ever said, has it ever come out of your mouth? I'm giving that person two more months. I'm giving them two more weeks and that's it. I'm out, I'm done, I'm finished with this. And what happens is we do this, is we put a timeline on a timeless God. God doesn't live within the confinements of time. He is timeless, spaceless and immaterial. He is an incredible, amazing God. And so what we do is we say, God, I've been praying. I wanna see them change. I wanna see them get better. And God, you've got two months. You've got two weeks. Otherwise, that's it. I give up. I quit. And I don't think if God has changed you, if truth has set you free, I don't think you would speak from a place of conditions and say, God, here's my contract. Please make this happen. God is such a gracious God that we should allow him to do it in his time. Because you know what? Sometimes I've actually wondered whether... If God brought the breakthrough and I didn't have the character or the maturity to hold the revelation of what God wanted to establish, the thing would just fall apart again. I wonder if there's lessons that God is wanting to teach me, is wanting to reveal to me so that I can become the man that I need to become in order to be the husband that I need to be. God is doing stuff in my life. He's establishing truth. He's establishing truth in all of your relationships in the world in which you live. And I just pray that we wouldn't put a timeline on a timeless God. I know some of us right now are still stuck on, but Mark, you don't know what my, that person said. You don't know what that person did. See, the only person that can change that person is God. And the only person that can change you is God, allowing God to change you deep down on the inside. I don't know what they did, but I know who God is, and His promises are yes and amen. And in God's timing, He will do. What He can do. Of course, as well, I don't want to force someone to change and and change their behaviour from the outside in and it's not true change. Now they're not changed from the inside out, they're just conforming to what I want and what I need. I want to allow God to do what only God can do. You can force them, you can push them and they may potentially one day reach a breaking point and it snap and get frustrated and you can do all that you think you can do in your own strength. But we truly, as men and women of God, we know something deeper and something more spiritual that's happening in someone's life. God can change them. God can change them. And so if we know that and we believe now we know what to pray for. And so in other words, I am not going to try to force someone to conform to what I want, but actually say, God, what do you want and what are you doing in them right now? This is what I felt God say, specifically. There's some here today, I wrote it down word for word. There's some here today and you have believed in a lie that you are the godly person in the relationship and the other person is not. That's a hot one. Have you ever, been, have you ever believed that lie? You're the godly person, the other one's not? I'm the spiritual one. In our case, I'm, Ellie's obviously the spiritual one, but... Uh, no, we're spiritual. But you can fall into that trap of, man, I'm, I'm the good one. They're the bad one. They're the one who's not really living for God. I'm the one living for God right now. But what you are saying is you were the standard. You were you replacing God with you and totally taking away from what God is doing in that person's life. And God, only God can do what he's going to do. I don't want to be that person who gets to that point and says, you know what? I'm the spiritual one. What happens if they catch fire and start living the dream, shall you feel guilty then because they're the godly one? I don't know. I wonder if my spirit would get jealous, birthed in comparison, frustration, shame. I wonder maybe you're both the godly one. Maybe you both have been called together to do what God's called you to do and not fall into that lie that the enemy has sucked you in. I think when we compare ourselves to God, And that's the only one that we should compare ourselves to. We realize how much we suck. eh? How much grace has been given to us. How good God is. And how much grace we have to share because we've experienced grace. I'm not the good one in the relationship. Everyone say that. I'm not the good one in the relationship. (laughs) I I, I believe I'm a God one. And I believe Ellie is the God one in our marriage. We are the God ones together together the good, not the good, well, well, now I'm getting confused, but I believe that it's based on a foundation of how good God is. And this is what I believe God asked me to say this morning, was to ask people not to guard your heart, although it's scriptural to guard your heart, but to listen to the confession that's coming out of our mouth. What is coming from our mouth that we have have been saying and speaking about the other person in the relationship? What narrative have we rehearsed or created that we are saying and spitting out that is a story now that's become a confession, that confession has taken hold and it's now become a belief and we've given up? And, if, and is that aligned to what God says about that person? Is there a disconnect or is it dislocated from what God says about that other person? still really quiet in here. <laughs> I believe that this is going to minister into some marriages today. Amen. I believe that it's going to minister into the health of exchange. You know, it's absolutely so funny. I uh, had written this down and uh, a couple of weeks later, um, I'm just hanging out with some people. Oh, sorry, a few, few days later, I'm hanging out with some people and this marriage thing just kept coming up. It's made so many marriages I feel right now in the spirit are under attack. The enemy is attacking people's marriages. So if you feel under attack in your marriage right now, don't feel like you're alone. Feel like the enemy has a plan just as much as God has a plan. He wants to separate, divorce, and shut down the prosperity of your marriage, the health of your marriage, the fruit of your marriage, all your relationships if you're not married. God wants to use it to be an impact for him but don't get stuck into that place where I'm going to start confessing and creating a narrative that is actually not what God says about that person. Here are the things that I felt God specifically asked me to pray uh, for people. First thing I felt is, is stop explaining your situation to God. If you're frustrated within a relationship, stop explaining it to an omnipotent God who knows everything. God knows the details. What I felt God say is stop explaining and start claiming the promises that God has for your marriage. Stop explaining and start claiming the promises that God has for your relationships. So when you start claiming the promises of God that God has for you, that two shall put 10,000 to flight, that you will see multiplication, that your marriage will be a blessing, then you're going to... The confession of your mouth, the, the fruit of your life is going to catch up to what God is doing on the inside. Uh, you can believe and change and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to believe what God says rather than what I believe. Because sometimes what I believe doesn't align with what God says. And so I have to choose him. Secondly, I believe God asked me to tell people to ask him to remind or enlighten. And this is a big one. The purpose of marriage. What is the purpose of your relationship or your marriage that you're in right now? This is a big one. Ellie and I have the privilege of doing marriage counselling and we sit down with people. And one of the questions that I love to ask is of the billions of people on earth, why did God bring this person you? What is the purpose of that person and for some people, that's an aha moment, an awakening moment. And for others, it's a question of, well, you know what? I've never actually really thought about that. And then they can go along that journey and start asking some real questions. But when I think about that question, I knew I, I, there's, I, I could have married many different, not many, many, but I could have married. Uh, I had hundreds of options out there, people. It was difficult. I was the bachelor. No, I wasn't. Of, of all of the girls that you could have married or guys you could have married, why is it that I chose Ellie? Why, why did you choose your partner? And, you know, I, I pray, you know, and, and this is what I, I love about Ellie and I is that she had a list of five things of what she wanted and, and I met the criteria of the five things because she knew who she was called to be and what she was going to do with her life. And I had, to, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to be a pastor. And this is our journey. Definitely everyone's got a different story, but I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. And so of all of the little amount of girls that I had to choose from, I knew that I would never have to drag Ellie in ministry. And 20 years later, we are still pastoring together, doing what we're called to do. Because we answered this question, what is the purpose of the relationship other than, A selfish one of what do I get from the relationship, but what do I give to the relationship that's going to create a marriage that's going to be an impact. I believe that our marriage is to be a blessing to the church, to build the church. That's why Ellie and I together, and we have been doing that for 20 years plus. And still to this day, we are more and more excited about doing that and loving to keep doing that. But we answered that question. So many people don't answer that question. Or the question only is answered skin deep in terms of what I get or how I benefit. I pray that as men and women of God, maybe we need to reassess and go back to the drawing board and say, God, speak to me again. Reveal to me, reveal to me why you partnered me with this person. Why am I with this person? Or the relationship If you're in a place where you're considering someone and you're thinking, what about this person? I would answer that question always in the context of what God has called me to do, and what God has put me on this planet to do. It's never going to be answered out of context in my own of what I want to do. You know, I was uh, watching YouTube last night with the family and there's this uh, family, uh, this young couple with a little baby in the Bahamas and they live on a boat and they just travel around and they fish off the land. They get 80% of their food out of the water and they snorkel, and they do YouTube videos, and, and that's what they do. And when you watch it, it's like, oh, that would be awesome. Beckett, Oscar, do you reckon you could catch that fish? Yeah. And then and I'm like, Ellie, would you want to live on, uh, on the boat? And little Beckett pipes up and goes, but how would we do church? I said, YouTube. No, I didn't say But that little cheeky bugger at nine years old, is already starting to think, how would we do what we're called and supposed to do? And I think that's what we need to do when it comes to our marriages and our relationships is ask that question. We're called and put on this planet for a reason, but God brought you someone so unique with so many gifts, talents, uh, resources, revelation of God and, and different relationships. God brought that person into your world, a treasure. And, and here you are. And together with the 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 two becoming one, what is the impact that you could do for God? Doesn't that get you excited about, maybe you're not even at that place and, and you've got to build up to get to there. But I pray that that's a stake of, of hope and faith in the ground to, in, to give you something today where you can go, you know what? Yeah, I've got to get to that place again where we can begin to dream of what God has for us. Maybe the road ahead is... Marriage counselling and, and maybe the road ahead is filled with uh, tough conversations or maybe it's uh, just asking for forgiveness or maybe it's just some reconciliation that needs to take place, some healing to get you to that place. But don't just finish there. Go beyond there and just look and see what God's going to do with your future husband or, or wife or the current husband and wife. What can God do? What can God do? Think about what can God do? Stop thinking about what they did wrong and start thinking about how truth can change you and start focusing and meditating on day and night. How is God going to use this relationship? You know what I said? Don't put a timeline on a timeless God. Maybe you did that. Maybe you said and just checked out and tapped out and said, that's it, I'm done, I'm finished. Well, I pray that today maybe God would stir something up in your heart today to say, hey, you know what? God wants, I'm going to allow God to address that. I'm going to allow God to bring and breathe healing into that area of my life right now. God can do, only God can do what God can do, right? And I know it's scary. And I know it's hard. And I know you've tried before or you've tried many times. But only God can do what God can do. And it's allowing God to change you. It's not just about God changing them. It's not about me saying, God, you've got, you've got three more tries like a game on the computer. You get three lives and you're out. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, God, you get the whole show. And just watch how faithful God is. And then watch and see God use the relationship to be a blessing. Do you receive the word? Yes. Is it getting into the heart this morning? It is, it is a little hot in here today, I oh, must admit, and uh, always talking about stuff like this. And again, like I said very specifically at the start, Ellie and I definitely don't feel qualified as marriage counsellors or anything like that, but I do know that God can breathe into a marriage and use it to change the world. I know there's people in this church right now that have amazing marriages that can be a blessing to people who are new to marriage or have maybe stumbled uh, through a hard season and we're just going to believe together as a church that God is going to continue to build the marriages of exchange church because you know what a healthy marriage means a healthy family and this church comes together we're not here to play games and we're not here to you know act like it's all good on a Sunday and everyone's marriage is the best but then you go home and it's just a complete wipeout. you know we actually really want to see God get right into the heart of that and do what God can do amen